Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The LA Unified School District has unanimously approved a vaccine requirement for all eligible students 12 and older if they want to attend classes in person. The district could face legal challenges over the vaccine requirement, but LAUSD Board President Kelly Gonez says it's worth it. It's about what's best for the community as a whole. And sometimes that necessitates challenging decisions. Eligible students will be required to be fully vaccinated by January 10th unless they have an approved exemption. That's when students return to class from winter break. Those involved in extracurricular activities like sports will need to get their shots by the end of October. L.A. School Board member Jackie Goldberg says science proves COVID vaccinations are safe and history shows there's a precedent for vaccinating children with new medications. Polio was ravaging Los Angeles as I was growing up. And you know what stopped it? Vaccinating every single student in the entire state, in the entire country, and eventually in a lot of the world. Polio is gone. I remember it. L.A. Unified students who do not show proof of vaccination by the deadline will not be allowed on campus, but can enroll in remote learning through independent study. But in many school districts across the state, that program has been overwhelmed by the number of students opting out of in-person learning. LAUSD already requires all faculty and staff to be vaccinated as a condition of their employment by October 15th. The student vaccination mandate by the second largest school district in the nation could pave the way for others to follow suit. Turning to politics, Latinos make up about a third of registered voters in California, and the campaigns for and against the recall are running TV and radio ads in Spanish, hoping to win them over. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer looks at the messages they're using and why. Governor Gavin Newsom is in the home stretch in a race to keep his job. Thanks for being here. This week in San Francisco's Mission District, Newsom was out shaking hands and posing for selfies and thanking people making phone calls to Latino voters, volunteers like Ricardo Pena. Okay, how are you going to uh, do it? By mail, okay, thank you. How are you going to vote, yes or not? 
In general, Latinos are reliable Democratic voters in California, but there are some signs Latinos are less engaged than other voters. Olga Miranda, president of the SEIU Local 87 here, insists Latinos will be there for Newsom. No politician can take Latino votes and our community for granted. And for him to be here and has stepped up for working families, union families, he stood up and protected us. For Newsom, it's reminding Latino voters about why this matters. It's about making the phone calls and texting. It's knocking on the doors and making sure people understand what the stakes are in this election. Phone banks and rallies are one way to reach Latino voters, but the biggest bang for the buck is ads on Spanish-language radio and television. Recall opponents are using fear to help mobilize that community, fear of a conservative Republican replacing Newsom as governor if he's recalled. In California, han apoyado el seguir a los inmigrantes con microchips. That ad against the recall focuses on hot-button issues like immigration and the threat of deportation for immigrants here illegally. But Hector Barajas, a Republican political consultant helping the recall campaign, notes their message to Latino voters is blame, blaming Newsom for everything from homelessness to gas prices, unemployment, and school closures to help stop COVID-19. It becomes about safety, economics, and my family. Barajas says people of color have been through a lot in the past two years, like taking the brunt of the pandemic. And he says Latino voters are in no mood to help the guy in charge keep his job. You know, you got Gavin Newsom who was able to go to the French Laundry and sit down with his family or sit down with his friends without wearing a mask, but yet, you know, I had to cancel my quinceañera. I couldn't go visit the funeral for my grandmother. The candidates running to replace Newsom are also up with ads. Soy Larry Elder. El gobernador Gavin Newsom cerró las escuelas públicas para nuestros niños mientras sus hijos La promesa de California. La promesa de ustedes. These commercials, first by talk show personality Larry Elder, then former San Diego mayor Kevin Faulkner, show images of homelessness, crime, and suffering during the pandemic. They're betting voters are unhappy with the state of California and want something different. The ads for the pro-recall effort are very persuasive. That's Sonia Diaz, director of the Latino Policy and Politics Initiative at UCLA. If you're going to try and persuade them, you're going to hit them at the heart of what matters most right now, and that's good health care and that's jobs. The recall opponents are also talking about health care and jobs, while reminding Latino voters about anti-immigrant policies promoted by Republicans in the past. Es una cuestión de vida o muerte. Con el it's a matter of life and death, the ad says, and how the state could go backwards if a Republican does a 180 on COVID policies. We'll know pretty soon whether ads like these mobilize enough Latinos to help Newsom keep his job or remove him from office. The last day to vote, in person or by mail, is next Tuesday. For The California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night. 
knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. With California's recall election wrapping up next Tuesday, a new poll out this morning has good news for Governor Gavin Newsom. KQED's Katie Orr reports. The poll from the Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies finds 60 percent of likely voters oppose the recall, a vote to keep Newsom in office. That's up from 50 percent in July. IGS poll director Mark DiCamillo. What we're seeing now is that Democrats, 80 percent, are saying that they're, you know, giving a high probability of voting or that they uh, uh, have already voted. So you've got this interest gap has now shrunk considerably. In addition, nearly half of Democratic voters plan to skip the second question on the ballot, which asks who should replace Newsom. Among the replacement candidates, Republican Larry Elder leads with 38 percent of the vote. No other candidate is above 10 percent. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. Meanwhile, Newsom and Elder were both in Fresno yesterday making their respective recall campaign pitches to voters. Here's the California Report's Alex Hall with more. Larry Elder showed up at a hotel near the Fresno Yosemite Airport early Thursday morning for a breakfast with farmers to talk mainly water and crime. He opened the roundtable by explaining he was here to listen and said his first step as governor would be to declare a public emergency so water infrastructure projects could move forward. Speaking to farmers in Kern County, and they're always sitting around telling me about their problems and about water now being rationed, this is ridiculous. We have, we have water. Uh, if, it's, if it's allocated properly and we prepare properly, we shouldn't be having these kinds of problems. Among those in the room was Ryan Jacobson, head of the Fresno County Farm Bureau. The Farm Bureau is not endorsing Elder or anyone on the ballot, but Jacobson said he's willing to talk to any candidate because California agriculture is in jeopardy and fixing that does not seem to be a priority. When you affect this region, you're affecting the nation's plate and we're going to wake up one day and it's going to be gone. It's not going to be solved tomorrow. We need somebody who's committed to understanding it's going to be longer than his or her term as um, governor, but you got to start somewhere and you got to start somewhere soon or else this is all going to be gone uh, before we know it. Also in Fresno Thursday was Governor Gavin Newsom. Speaking to supporters and volunteers at a Carpenters Union local, Newsom railed into elders' positions on guns and the minimum wage, plus his comments about women, telling the crowd they're the only thing standing in the way of elder becoming governor. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Managing California's water supply requires an enormous amount of energy. Now, new research suggests making the state's water system more efficient is also a climate solution. KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero explains. Water on farms is processed less than water in urban places like the Bay Area. That results in urban areas using more energy to provide water, which means more greenhouse gas emissions. That's according to a new report from the Pacific Institute. Heather Cooley directs research for the group. She says to think of all the energy it takes to warm a hot shower. A lot of that is heated by natural gas, and so there are carbon emissions associated with that. As the state's population increases, the number of showers goes up and energy demands grow. 
That's why she says it's imperative that cities continue to move away from gas-powered infrastructure and electrify as much as possible. For the California Report, I'm Esther David Romero. More evacuation warnings have been issued for parts of Lassen County this morning due to increased activity from the Dixie Fire. Most of the heavy fire activity over the last few days has come along the northern flank of the blaze. Chief Tony Braunwell is with Cal Fire. The fire is actually up and it made about a nine mile run. So it was running about two to three miles an hour. That is hard to keep pace with a fire that big. Crews battling both the Dixie Fire and the Caldor Fire to the south of it will be facing increased winds in the area today, as a red flag warning remains in effect through late this evening. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, it's a documentary about how tribal leaders in far northern California are addressing domestic violence by talking openly about the traumas of the past. Things like boarding school, the Indian Slave Act, and massacres. That's Abby Abenanti, the Chief Justice of the Yurok Tribe. Everyone calls her Judge Abby. And that behavior that came out of those things trickled down to the behavior you're seeing today. Those are the symptoms. But if you have the symptom and you have no idea what the context is, it's really hard to stop it. Judge Abby works with domestic violence survivors and perpetrators to understand how colonization created cycles of trauma and abuse. People covered up the dance sites, hid the regalia, weren't allowed to speak the language. Language is something that comes out of what people think and believe. And so we learned another language that didn't think and believe what we did. Judge Abby and other tribal leaders want to help people heal by reconnecting with the cultural practices that were taken away. Our culture is very responsibility-based, and the responsibilities are interlocking in family and in community. So you have to assist them to meet their responsibility and come back into community in a good way. This week's documentary focuses on one Native American family and its struggles to address domestic abuse through acknowledging the cycles of violence that have rippled through their community. To hear the documentary, tune into the California Report magazine or download the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And finally, tomorrow is the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. We'd like to take a moment to remember the nearly 3,000 people who died at the World Trade Center, Pentagon, and aboard the four airliners that were hijacked. Across California, there will be memorials and other events honoring those who perished on that heartbreaking day. And that is the California Report for this Friday, September 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good weekend. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. 
and the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.